0: Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to preach. I always get nervous before I come up here and preach. Uh, I take I take preaching very seriously, and uh, I don't want to mess up God's word. If anything, I just get in the way, and uh, I get nervous. And uh, maybe I shouldn't think this way, but I get nervous. I'm just going to just preach the biggest flop uh, that has ever been preached. So, but uh, hopefully tonight it's not the flop. And if it is, just don't tell me. Uh, I I probably already know. So, Proverbs chapter number 19. We stand for the reading of God's word. And uh, we'll just jump right into it tonight. Won't, hopefully, I won't keep you long. I always say that to the teenagers, and it's like, you know, it's really it's short this time, you know, and they look at me like, I'm not, I don't believe a word you say, and it's a half an hour late, or the school kid's in chapel, and uh, so I, I, really think, I really think it'll be short tonight or shorter or maybe just right on time. Proverbs chapter number 19, um, I had a hard time picking where to go in 19. You know, some, some Proverbs, it's kind of one theme. Uh, Proverbs 19, there was a lot of uh, different directions, and uh, the Lord really showed me something in Proverbs that, in, in a verse that I've never really uh, noticed before, and uh, we'll start reading. Proverbs 19, verse number 13, it says, A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. House uh, and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger, but he that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his way shall die. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and he that which hath given will he pay him again. And then verse number 18, our text here, it says, "Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Now I'm gonna, that's our, our text, the title of my message tonight is, "While there is hope." While there is hope and uh, with the Lord's uh, help tonight, I'm going to preach and uh, we'll get through this together. Let's pray Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I thank you so much, God for uh, allowing me to be able to preach tonight, God and uh, Lord, I know who I am and I know you know who I am and Lord, I pray you just forgive me my sin, God and and uh, kind of push me out of the way. God use me in spite of me tonight. Lord, I'm, I'm nobody, but I pray you speak to your people tonight, Lord, and uh, I pray that they get something from your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, the Bible says in, in our text, Chasing thy son while there is hope. And that's where I got the title from, While There Is Hope. And I kept kept ringing, that, that phrase kept ringing in my head, While There Is Hope. Now, I want you to picture your life with me. Uh, sometimes my mind is kind of like a cartoonish, you know, I like watching cartoons and uh, it's very cartoonish the way I think sometimes, and uh, I, I like to think of our lives as a, as a giant hourglass, maybe up in heaven, I don't know, just an hourglass, and that represents our life. And the sand that's tumbling down that hourglass and going to the bottom as it tumbles down slowly represents the time that we have on earth. Now as all it goes down, it's just passing, and that's, that represents the time of, of our life on this planet Time is a very interesting thing to think about. Uh, It's very interesting, you know, when did time begin? We have all these questions. But time is something that's not necessarily on our side. Uh, We're just waiting for the last sand to fall and the Lord to take us home to be with him forever. I'm sure you heard the phrase, time stops for no one. Uh, I'm sure there's been times in our life where we wish that we can just make the sun stand still and long enough for us to do our our long to-do lists. Moms in the room, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I'm also certain you heard the phrase that in life there are no do-overs. You can't build a time machine somewhere in a basement and go back and redo some areas of your life that that you want to go back to. That's not how time works. In the Bible, we see uh, the God of the universe flexes mighty power to show us how he holds time in his hands. In Joshua chapter 10, verse number 13, the Bible says, The sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Now, this is the only time in history we see in the Bible that is recorded that God made the sun stand still for a span of a whole day. Not only did he make a standstill for five minutes, but an entire day for his people to go to war and do his work. Again, we see in Second Kings chapter 20, the Bible says, Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall the sign be uh, that the Lord will heal me? At this time in uh, Hezekiah's life, he was sick. Uh, Isaiah, the prophet that we see in the book of Isaiah, came to him and said, You are going to die. And uh, we know the story. Hezekiah prayed, and God granted him 15 more years. And he said, What's my sign? Now Isaiah said, the sign shalt thou have of the Lord, uh, that the Lord will do the thing that he had spoken, shall the the, uh, shadow go forward 10 degrees or back 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it is a light thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. He said, I see that every day. But nay, let the shadow return backwards 10 degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backwards by, uh, by which he had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. We see the Lord giving Hezekiah a sign of healing, and God turned back time ten degrees. Now, I I I, I kind of found that fascinating, so I had to figure out and calculate it mathematically how this actually worked. How much time did God move it back? Uh, if you could go to the next slide there and show that, if daylight is twelve hours, uh, is twelve hours in in a day. Uh, And 108 degrees equals 12 hours on the sundial. So here's the formula here, the mathematic formula to figure this out would be 12 hours times 60 minutes uh, uh, per hour, because that's how many hours you get, 720 minutes. Uh, 720 minutes divided by 108 degrees equals 4 minutes per degree. So if God were to go back by 10 degrees, uh, uh, 10 degrees that God moved the shadow backwards times 4 minutes per degree equals about 40 minutes. So in a regular sundial, they say 15 degrees, and if we calculated that out, that would equal 60 minutes. So 15 is an hour, so uh, 10 degrees is about 40 minutes. Now, that's quite a long time for God to move time backwards, 40 minutes, when you think about it. You can get a lot done in 40 minutes if you're really working I was When we were driving the bus back from, from Illinois, I got to drive through Nebraska, the open fields of Nebraska. And let me tell you, there's absolutely nothing there. Uh, if you think driving down the I-5 down Southern California, there's no, no view. Listen, Nebraska, there's nothing, nothing. And uh, with a whole lot of nothing in the air, there's not much to look at. And I was driving back and uh, the sun was going down. And here in, in California, we get to see the sun set. And it's pretty cool as it goes down. Just like, you know, you get to watch it almost go all the way down and disappear. In Nebraska, it's about a quarter in the sky, and all of a sudden, the, the sun just disappears. You know, I'm just sitting there driving along. The sun's in my eyes. That's why I, I noticed it. And all of a sudden, it was just gone within like two to three minutes. I was like, what? What in the world was that? But could you imagine the sun setting? You know, you start doing your house stuff, and all of a sudden, the, the sun is back up 40 minutes. I'm like, what? What's going on? That's how powerful our God is with time. Amen. I looked up time. What does that actually mean? Noah's Webster's 1828 Dictionary uh, defines it as a particular portion, a part of duration, whether past, present, or future. And then it says this. This is a phrase I want you to keep in your mind throughout, throughout the night. It says, lost time is never found again. Lost time is never found again. So going back to our text in Proverbs chapter number 19, it says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. First glance of that verse, I think of an old-fashioned whooping. I don't know why, but that's where my mind goes. And all the parents said, Amen. Amen. But after looking at the verse more, and the more I read it, God really showed me something different. The word chasten, of course, means to chastise literally, which, which means by spanking, by blows, or figuratively with words. Hence, to instruct, to correct, to reprove, to teach. So the verse is telling us to instruct, to correct some things, to teach. And the phrase says, while there is hope. While there is hope. Now, while there is hope, we have to take that from eventually that time is going to run out and there will be no more hope. No more hope for what? For the correction, the teaching, to the instructing. Time will be gone. It's not on our side. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away a time to rent, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. We see that everything is ran by time. There will come a time when it will be too late to do some things, too late to teach your children, too late to serve the Lord with your life, uh, too, too late to serve at the local church, too late to lead somebody to Christ. And as I started thinking about this, it's time. Time is the enemy. Yes, Satan's our enemy, but time. This verse, of course, is talking about, it's a command for your children to teach them while there is hope, before the world creeps in unawares and steals the heart of our young people. You may be sitting here tonight thinking, I don't, I don't even have any kids. <laughs> when my kids are grown up. Perhaps, uh, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're adults now. But that doesn't mean that we can't help somebody along the way. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2 says this, unto Timothy... My own son in the faith, he says. My own son in the faith. The apostle Paul was not Timothy's father. Uh, there, there was no family relation, as far as we could tell. But Paul saw this young man and wanted to invest something in him. I think of what Pastor said: the bus ministry. That's a that's a great opportunity to invest in somebody, a great time to, uh, uh, to find somebody, uh, and maybe they could be a daughter or son in the faith to you. There's 80,000 people in the city of Mantique. I'm sure we can find one that we can, we can invest our time into. Maybe tonight we just need to examine ourselves and how, how is time affecting our lives. Are we listening to the chastening of the Lord? Because if you're saved and you're one of God's and we're not doing what we're supposed to do, he deals with us. Proverbs chapter three, verse 12 says this, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father, the son, in whom he delighteth. Hebrews chapter 12, verse six, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. So maybe we talked, maybe you fit into one of those categories, but we all are affected by time. While there is hope. Maybe there's some things you're just waiting to do, but do it while there's hope. Because eventually our time is going to run out. Time is not on our side. How often have we found out we found in afterlife the evil of fixed habits, which early correction might have subdued with far less, for far less cost of suffering. How many times have we realized, man, if I just had this little bit of correction in my life, or I could have prevented this from happening. So while we have the time and while we have the hope, what is that time for? Number one, I, it's revival. Revival. Vance Harbner said this, revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. That's Revival being revived again. Oh, how we need revival in our country. If people would just fall in love with Jesus again in our country, could you imagine that? Or in our churches all over the, 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 our state even. In our hearts today, if we had revival, fall in love with Jesus all over again. I know I need it. I need it. We need not only revival, but we need personal revival. Personal Revival. While we have hope, we need to have revival in our own lives. We need to get back into doing things because we simply love God. We also need to teach our children how to love the Lord. It seems in our, in our churches, there's a big assumption that our children are, are, are grasping it and they're understanding it, and we just assume that they, they catch on to it because they're brought up in church their entire life. But that's not the case at all. They, 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 they have to be taught. If they're not taught, there's going to be no relationship. Because here's what happens, I think, here's what happens. I'm, not, I'm no expert, but this is what I, I, I've observed. I think young people, they get saved at a young age, and we think they understand the grace of God because they, they accepted Christ. And what happens is, uh, you know, in, in a child's mind, they're not thinking about having a relationship with Christ. As a child, it's very, they're very stingy. <laughs> I have three boys, very stingy. Mine, you hear that all the time. That's mine. <laughs> I'm not Sherry. No, no, right? They're not thinking of, of giving up some things and, and, and for a love of Christ. What's in their mind is ice cream, video games, you know, what am I going to play after church We're on the playground? That's where their mind is. And when they become a teenager, they think all of a sudden they start understanding, well, this is the way I ought to live. And it's by, by some rules and some standards. And rules and standards are good. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. We need those. But then they understand that, hey, I have to live holy and it's become by a self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. And maybe, maybe tonight we've never fully understood that revival isn't about, uh, of uh, something we can do. It's the grace of God, not self-righteousness. Uh, we didn't earn our salvation through self-righteousness. How could we get back to the basics as pastors preached on Sunday mornings if without the love of Christ and, and, and thinking it's by self-righteousness? It's not. <clears throat> you ever wonder why kids grow up and leave and think churches are full of hypocrites because they never learned the love of Christ. There was never a self-revival. They never, it never clicked in their minds. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, you've been recently saved. Listen, it's all about a love for Christ and letting him do a work in you. You can't give up habits. You can't give up bad habits and sin, but through the Lord, you can. Maybe you've been saved here for years and you lost the love. There's no more motivation to get up and go to church or driving a bus or teaching a class. We lost the love. The answer is personal revival. Has the Lord ever done anything to you that, to lose the love, that, that he should lose our love? There's no magic formula for revival. You don't have to go to revival meetings to have revival, although they're good to go to. You can have revival at your own house, in your seat tonight. Just get back to loving God how we're supposed to, and then we'll see how easy things fall into place. And when we love God and we have personal revival, we'll understand number two, to reform. Now, don't get worded out by this word here, (laughs) reform. This is what I mean by it, to change from bad to good, to remove that which is bad or corrupt. Listen, again, it's not based on self-righteousness. We can't do it, but through God, through personal revival, we'll notice that we start changing some things in our life. God starts taking some things out and starts placing some things in. I think of a piece of clay to reform or shape that. Think of a ball of clay and you you make something out of, you know, like Play-Doh, that salty stuff. You all know you've tried (laughs) Play-Doh. Very disgusting. But you shape it and you mold it into something as something better than just the ball. Naturally, we're not holy people. We lean to sin because of our flesh. The Bible tells us to be holy though but I think we sometimes just go about it the wrong way. As we mature in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we begin to see a change in our life. We don't see an instant change. That's not how it works when we get saved. We don't, you know, now I'm saved, I'm, I'm gonna live a holy life. We don't see clouds open and a sign that tells us where to go or what to do next or victory over sin. However, when we get saved, we see a love for Christ and then we see growth. It's about growth, but you're not gonna get the growth without a love for Christ and him being the motivation while there's hope. Do it while there's hope, while there's still time. So we see we're growing. You spend time with him, which calls for personal revival. We need the personal revival for that. And in the process, we see a change in our conversation. What I mean by that word conversation, I mean our general course of manners, behavior, uh, uh, especially when it, uh, as respects to our morals. We see a change in our behavior when we start loving God. When we start getting back to the basics and have a relationship with Him, we're reading our Bibles, we're praying, and we're seeking His face, we'll see a change in our behavior. But we automatically think we need to change the behavior first without the first part, without the personal revival. But we begin to, when we get saved, we can sing the the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore, right? The things I used to do, I don't do. Why? Because of Christ, not because of us. He changes us. We can't change. Because there was a great change in us, not because of us, but because of him. Next, we see a change in our carelessness. In life, we get so wrapped up in, in our own lives. And I know, it happens to me too. And we don't even notice anybody else around us that could be hurting. Joseph was a young man who's seen some things in his day as a young man, betrayal in his life. I'm sure there's some in this room, you had someone betray you. Your trust is broken we see he didn't have the attitude that everybody owed him something or that, 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 you know, everyone should be, oh, poor Joseph. But what we see him doing in prison, wrongfully there, by the way, looking at the baker and the butler and saying, why are you so sad? Why are you so sad today? If it were me, I probably wouldn't have even noticed. I would have been so wrapped up in my own situation. We cannot live a life of apathy, of not caring what happens, not caring what happens, uh, or a life of not caring for living for Christ. And, Time is running out, and while we're, there is hope, we need to start caring again for some things. Caring for, for the things of Christ, caring for things that, that God is interested in, for helping others and sharing the good news. We see a change next in our children, our households. Listen, if, if you're going to, you, you, God starts changing, there's some things that, that shouldn't, you should stop at the door of your house, that shouldn't be allowed to enter in. Proverbs does say, Chasten thy son, right? Help your kids by change by doing it for them. Never take a break from being a parent. We certainly don't stop being a parent when our children are teenagers either. They need godly parents. Take the time for your kids while there's hope. Oftentimes, kids act out because they just want more time with mom and dad. They want more attention. That's what they want. That's what teenagers want, attention. Listen, you'll never regret taking the time for your children that they need. But you will always regret the time that you wish you had taken. There's a poem here. I hate this poem. Here's why. It makes me cry every time I read it. I hate it. I start thinking of my boys. I'm going to read it tonight, and I'm going to try my dead level best not to cry. But I want you to think of time. Time is not on our side again. No time lost is found again. The title of the poem is No Time to Play. My precious boy with his golden hair came up to me one day by my chair, fell down on his bended knee, and said, oh, mommy, please play with me. I said, not now, go on and play. I've got so much to do today. He smiled through tears in his eyes so blue when I said, we'll play when I get through. But the chores lasted all the day, uh, all through the day, and I never did find the time to play. When supper was over and the dishes done, I was too much tired for my little son. I tucked him in and kissed his cheek and watched my angel fall asleep. As I tossed and turned upon my bed, those words kept ringing in my head. Now, son, go on and play. I've got so much to do today. I fell asleep in a minute span, my little boy, a full-grown man. No toys are there to clutter the floor, no dirty fingerprints on the door. No snacks to fix, no tears to dry. The room is just echoes my lonely sigh. And now I've got the time to play, but my precious boy has gone away. I awoke myself from a pitiful scream and realized it was just a dream. From across the room his little, in his little bed, my little curly-haired boy, the sleepy head. My work will wait another day, for now I must t- find time to play. Lost time is never found again. Take the time now. While there's hope, take the time. Next, number three, we have revival, personal revival. Then we see a change, a great change happen, and then to reject, to reject. Verse number 27 says something interesting. It says, son, my, uh, cease, my son, to hear instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. I, I had to read that verse over and over to kind get, of get it. It says, cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. Whatever it is that's tripping you up, it needs to stop. Cease, cease to listen to that. Don't listen to that instruction that's going to cause you to fail. While there's Sir hope, we need to reject some things, those obstacles that, that draw us away from the Lord. I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord be with me and be displeased with me because I listened to the world and what they had to offer instead of rejecting it. What do we reject? It's really simple. Reject the bad. We don't. We, we know what is bad and good. Reject the bad. We need to learn how to reject some things that take us away from what this Bible says. It is that plain and simple. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, and you won't know that unless you're reading the Bible, you need to read the Bible. But if, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God and going against it, we must reject it. Perhaps it's a someone we need to reject. Someone that's drawing us away. Cease to hear the instruction. Listen, if someone is telling us how we should live outside of biblical principle, we need to reject that kind of thought. We can't allow that. We can't humor that in our lives. We're living in a day where even our own government and their philosophies go directly against God in his word. I think we all know who they are. We not even humor those philosophies, but reject them. And here's why. If we don't reject them, it's very important. If we don't reject, reject that, we don't re- reject the bad. We will soon accept it and in turn reject the good. Reject the bad or we will reject the good. My son, Oliver, he's my, my youngest of the three. I have three boys. That boy, he's so cute. I love that boy. I mean, he's, he's super cute. He's second to none when it comes to being cute. That, that kid, you know. And, uh, but that kid by far is the worst, the worst at feeding the bottle too. I don't know what it is. He'll drink the bottle, but he's the worst. He fights you constantly. Those who work in the nursery who fed him ball, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the, ugh, the arch the back, you know. It's like, why? Now the formula for for making a baby's bottle, you mix it with water, is necessary for the baby to eat because it's, it's, it's full of vitamin and the nutrients that the child would need to survive. It's good for the child to accept that bottle. Now, my son, he'll drink that bottle, but you have to fight him on every single ounce that he'll drink. I'm not messing around. You, you know, I take breaks with him. Uh, sometimes I'll flip him the opposite direction. You know, to try, try to tr- trick him. You know, you know, like you know, who's smarter now? You know, <laughs> and, and you know, try to do different things with him to, to get him to drink his bottle. It's good for him to drink the bottle, but he fights. He fights me with it. But me and my, me and his mother keep, keep doing it because it's good for him. He needs it. He needs the bottle. In life, if we don't reject the bad things in our life, we'll find out, we'll find soon that we start to reject the good things that we need. We'll reject everything. We'll reject this book right here. We need it. We'll find that we disagree with it and reject it, even though we're in the wrong. Reject the bad because if not, you'll reject the good. Second Chronicles, we can go to there. Second Chronicles. I don't know what time it is. I'm almost through. Second Chronicles twenty four. I'm kind of speed read through this. There was a man by, by name Joash. He was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that was right in the Lord, uh, right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Now this guy seven years old. You know he doesn't know much. Jehoiada the priest is really guiding him through this. And uh, but we see in verse six. It says, and the king called Jehoiada the chief and said to them, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? There were some things that the king commanded to get done. He was zealous for God. He said, Why isn't this done? If you read uh uh previous that the his uh grandmother actually uh took over and destroyed some things in the temple, and, and Joash is now wanting to fix it. He said, We need to fix this. But Jehoiada played a very important role in Joash's life. And we see in verse number 15, it says, and Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And he was 130 years old when he died. And moving down, we see some, uh, some guys come in and they try to, try to uh, persuade Joash. The princes of Judah came and, 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 and try to uh, uh, draw the king away. And it says in verse number 17, it says, and the king hearkened unto them. And they left the house of the Lord their God, their fathers, and served the groves and idols and wrath which came upon Judah and Jerusalem in their, in their trespasses. So we see Joash didn't reject the good or didn't reject the bad. He knew what was good. He did not reject the bad and allowed it to come in and then therefore accept the bad. And let's see what happens in uh, verse number 20, And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, the same Jehoiada that helped Joach, who saved his life, who helped him to be king, and gave him counsel all the way up until he died, that same Jehoiada, his son Zechariah, in uh, verse number 20, which stood abo- uh, above the people and said to them, Thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord? Ye cannot prosper, because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you." And it says in verse 21, and they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Verse number 22, thus Joash, the king, remembered not the kindness of Jehoiada, his father uh, had done to him, but showed his son, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, the Lord look upon it and require it. Joash didn't reject the bad, accepted it. And therefore, when you accept the bad, the enemy is then the good, and slew Jehoiada's son. When God had sent him to fix the problem, Jesus says it best in Matthew 6, verse 24. It says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It is so important to reject uh, and teach our kids in our household what to reject. Reject the bad. If not, we will, or we will reject the good. So while we have hope, while we have time, while there's hope here, we need to have revival, personal revival. We need to reform. We need to change some things in our life, in our, in our conversation, our behavior, uh, and, and the, in the way we do things, in our household, in our children, in, and, 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 uh, in, in our communication. We need to change that and reject it, reject the bad so we don't reject the good so that we're not a reproach during the rapture, a reproach during the rapture that's probably my worst fear. First, number 26 says this of the same ch- Proverbs chapter 19. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Reproach means shame or disgrace. So number four is a reproach during the rapture. If we don't have revival, personal revival, we don't change some things, we don't allow God to change some things, we don't reject some things out of our life that's bad for us, And we start rejecting the good. Listen, we'll be a reproach during the rapture, a shame, disgrace. We talk about time. We talked about how time is short. Listen, the rapture can happen at any moment. The next event on the prophetic calendar is the rapture. Do we really want to live a foolish life? So when we meet the Lord in the air, we'll be full of shame? To stand before and have nothing to show for it, but a life of shame and disgrace? Is that really what we want? Time is not on our side. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be reproached. I don't want to be a a man full of shame during that great time where we stand before Christ. Have you ever been in a hurry or rushing to go somewhere, you know, getting the kids ready, you know, Sunday morning church? (laughs) It's never a fun time (laughs) when you're in a rush. I realized something about me. Uh, I'm very, very impatient when I'm in a hurry, very impatient. Like, I get mad at the drop of a hat. I don't like being in a rush. I don't like it when it's hot in my house and I'm trying to hurry and I'm sweating. You know, there's sweat coming down. I get, I get very irritated. But have you ever been in a rush and, and it's not a fun time, you know, the arguments start happening, you know, the kids start disobeying. But when you get to where you're going, it's kind of like, whew, you can relax a little bit, right? I've never been in such a hurry. We went to go pick up this bus. We went to the airport. This is my first time flying. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, we got we got to the airport about at least an hour early, right? At least an hour early. You know, our our flight pl- our flight left at, at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, so we woke I woke about four thirty. You know, we're trying to get to the church at five, trying to get over to the airport. It's an hour over there, and I the longest line I've ever seen in my life. In all my days, we had to wait in for security. It just so long. It went to the other part of the airport. I was thinking, what is this? Does this happen all the time? Is this a normal thing? And while we're there at the airport, we're just waiting. And as we realize this line is taking so long, it's about five minutes before our flight. We're still in line. It's just ticket. And I'm starting to get nervous. I don't know if you, brother, about you, brother. I'm already kind of nervous about going on the plane for the first time. So I'm like, you know, what's going on? You know, what's happening? I need to get through. You know, and all these people, you know, going super slow. You know, putting their luggage up there. You know, opening it, taking off their belt. Like, come on, man, let's go. I got to get on this plane. You know, like, hurry up. So anyways, we get through, uh, I'm, I mean it, like, it was, it was maybe like 7 o'clock, 7.05 when we get through security, and, and they stopped Brother Gayona, so I'm like, of course, why wouldn't this happen, you know? You know, they're checking his, his hat, like, there's not, he's not going to hide anything in his hat, like, come on, you know, they're checking all these things, you know, he's scanning him, you know, and I'm thinking, we're not going to make it. And, uh, you know, so we finally get through. You know, we're in a big hurry, you know. There's nobody in the airport. Everyone's still in line at the the security. We make it through. Brother Guillaume, you know, doesn't have time to put on his belt. We're in that much of a hurry. We're running down where where our flight is, and there's a lady standing by the door, this lonely little door all the way off in the corner. And she calls out to us, where are you headed? Brother that's says, Chicago. And the reply was, you better hurry up. We are closing this door right now. So and luggage in hand, we're sprinting over there. Brother Gaona again with his luggage, holding his pants up, his belt in one hand, running (laughs) over there. I'm running, you know, all the way to the terminal, and we sit down in the plane. You know, everyone's looking at us on the plane, you know, we're, you know, doing this little number. Sorry. Sorry for elbowing you in the head. We sat down and it was kind of like, we made it. We made it. I'm not kidding, like two minutes, that that plane was gone. The time we have here on earth is not always fun. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're tired of laboring. Sometimes we always feel like we're in a rush. It's one thing to the next thing uh, with church events and work schedules and kids' uh, soccer practice. And we feel so rushed all the time. But listen, one day we'll be at our destination. And that's when it'll be time to relax during the rapture. Listen, let's not be reproached at that time. Let's not, let's not go up there empty-handed. Now picture your hourglass with me. The sand is a steady flow. It doesn't pause. Time is continuing. So my question is, if not now, when? If not now, when? While there's hope, we think we have time. Listen, time is the enemy. When will we have revival? When will we reform and, and change some things out of our life? When will we start rejecting the bad? Time is moving, and if, if we don't act soon, listen, we might be a reproach during the rapture. We might stand at the judgment seat of Christ with, with, with nothing, to show, just so disappointed in ourselves, so full of regret. Carl Sandberg said this, Time is the corn of your life. It is the only coin you have, and only you can determine how it will be spent. Be careful lest you let other people spend it for you. Listen, if we're not careful, we don't spend our time here wisely, we'll find that maybe a job or perhaps a boss is spending our coin for us, our time for us. Listen, while there is hope, while we still have time, have the revival. Change some things in our life, reject the bad. So we won't be a reproach. Every head bowed, eyes closed. Lost time is never found again. The time you lose, you can never go back to. I don't want my kids to be older and think my dad just, just wasted our childhood. He didn't do anything. He didn't help me at all. He didn't, he didn't care about me. I, I don't want to get to the, uh, be older and, and think I just wasted so many years of not appreciating my wife. Maybe not appreciating the church, not 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 reading the Bible, not not getting a closer relationship with God, not having revival, and I keep putting it off, listen while there's hope. lost time is never found again. time is now to have revival. time is now to get our life in, in into shape, start changing it, to reject some things because the lost time is never found again. you can't get your forty minutes back like God changing the 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 ten degrees backwards listen, we don't get that we don't we don't Get the, 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 the sun to stand still in the, in the sky for a whole day. Listen, time keeps going, and your hourglass is, is continually s- dropping that glass into the bottom.